from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. My name is Chip Lutz. I'm your host, and today we have Amy Ugg. Oh, it's so funny. Ostriker with us. It's funny because I asked Amy beforehand, you know, how do you pronounce your name correctly? And she said Ostriker, and I was thinking Ostriker. So then when I just went to introduce her, I went back to what I was already thinking in my head, but then I got it right. Um, Amy's an award-winning actor, um, actress, uh, P- uh, PTSD, peer-to-peer specialist, artist, author, writer, TEDx speaker. I mean, she's, she's pretty awesome. So welcome, Amy, to Laughbox. Hey, hello. <laughs> it's awesome to have you with us here um, today. If you could just share to our list, uh, with our listeners a little bit about you, where you hail from. Yeah, I'm where I'm hail, well, speaking of is about to hail here, I feel like. But I'm from uh, Connecticut. Uh, and that's kind of where I've been. Connecticut, New York-ish, uh, that area. <laughs> How's the weather been up there this season? Crazy. I don't even know what season it is, to be honest. I mean, it was like 60 degrees. I couldn't get myself back inside yesterday. You know, it was like snowing the week before. Today, we're having like a thunderstorm. Uh, so, um, yeah, going with the flow, I guess. I, I guess in New England, we love our seasons, and we also love crazy weather. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been pretty much the same in Wisconsin. It's like last year, it was in, last week, it was in the 70s. And then oh, it, crazy. Uh, it got cold. Now it's just raining. It was raining all day yesterday. Like my yard is uh, an absolute swamp. Yep. <laughs> you have a really interesting story that, you know, you're sharing your TEDx talks and so forth. Can you share that a little bit with uh, me today? A little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, my disclaimer is uh, I know this is, you know, for the Association of Humor. And, and even though my story might seem a bit crazy, uh, I got through it through humor, and that's why I'm here. So, so that's my disclaimer when starting this. But um, I was kind of your typical teenage musical singer ham growing up. That was what I wanted to do. That, and um, then I, I, you know, I was, you know, violated by my voice teacher, you know, and sexually abused as as a teenager, which was something kind of very out of my, you know, range of thought, and I completely kind of froze, and then, you know, traumas just happened one after the other. On the April of my senior year, I just developed a really terrible blood clot. I was just in a lot of pain, and that's all I remember, and then um, I just ended up in a coma that night. My stomach literally hit the ceiling of the operating room, um, and I was in a coma for months, um, and so I woke up months later, and, you know, I, that, I had just gotten my college acceptance letters that week. You know, I'd never been sick, so, you know, imagine, like, waking up in a completely new reality. Um, and the doctors tell me that, you know, I don't have a stomach, and I can't eat or drink, and they don't know if I'll ever be able to again. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of arguing with the doctors, like, like, what's going on? Like, why am I suddenly in prison? Um, it was a, you know, like waking up in the twilight zone. Um, thankfully, I was surrounded by my amazing family. And we kind of, uh, 
we, we, people thought we were crazy because we tried to make our situation as normal as possible. And we actually, um, you know, all like the, the mimes and the therapeutic humor professionals that came to visit me in the um, pediatric ICU are, are forever in my heart um, because that's kind of the spirit we all kept. You know, my brothers brought their guitars and we sang and, you know, they all thought we had ICU psychosis because that was our way of getting through by just like kind of finding the joy. And I think that really helped me a lot. And also, I think because I'd always been so driven as a performer before all this, you know, as a performer, all you want to do is make your mark on the world. And I think the biggest fear when I woke up was, oh my God, like I'm not going to make a difference anymore. You know, like I didn't want to be a has-been at 18. So I think that kind of like filled me with this manic drive to just stay vital in any way I could. Um, and so for me, my lifeline was really like creativity. You know, I painted, I sang, I danced, I did anything that I knew I loved before this to make me feel like I was still myself. Um, and so I was discharged months later because I was medically stable. Um, but the one tricky thing was I still didn't have a digestive system. So I was sent home on, you know, nutrition, you know, IVs. And the doctors told me, like, you know, follow up with us every now and then and we'll see what happens. But we can't make any guarantees. So, you know, I was kind of left to my own devices in the in the real world where you know people are toting water bottles and there are meals and and real life and i kind of had to make a functional life you know in total uncertainty so i found really creative ways of doing that you know i one of the things i did uh, i started a chocolate business because i really just missed going grocery shopping and i wanted an excuse to buy candy you know <laughs> and so and you know it was my way of being creative you know i started musicals while hooked up to ivs i started karate um and i discovered art by accident like during my 13th surgery when I was, uh, <laughs> my wound exploded and I was stuck in the hospital for months. I, I started like collaging with toilet paper and all of a sudden I discovered how much I loved creating art. And by the time I was discharged, I made 70 mixed media paintings, put up my first art show. And, and um, so anyway, just really various ways of, of finding ways I could be creative. Um, and that was my therapy because um, when I got to the hospital, you know, my parents took me to see a therapist, but, you know, the therapist told my parents, like, she can't eat and drink. Like, I'm not going to make her sit in a room and talk about her feelings. Mm -hmm. and, 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 he, and he was absolutely right. So, so I discovered creativity as this amazing container to, you know, experience what I was feeling in a safe way. To express those things so they could transform and ultimately that ended up in a one-woman musical about my life um, called gutless and grateful um, which was made from all of the thousands of journal entries I had written you know to cope through all this and some songs um, and I premiered that in 2012 and for me that was just my intention was you know what I miss I miss singing, I miss the stage, I'm gonna to put together a little cabaret act. 
what I didn't expect was that in the process of putting together this narrative, you know, of, of my story, I was actually making meaning of what had happened to me for the first time. You know, you don't go through trauma and, you know, automatically find like the deeper meaning. You know, what I learned is you actually make that yourself. And, and that's, and that's why, why that's kind of up to you. Um, so, you know, in creating like an arc of my story, I had finally kind of come full circle. And, and for the first time, like I was talking about my story, um, which was a big deal for me. But even more like extraordinarily, the revelation was for me that for the first time, like in constructing this narrative of my life, it became like a, a universal narrative, like not just about, you know, the girl whose stomach exploded, but a story of like overcoming obstacles and finding inner resources. And for the first time, you know, people could actually relate to what I had been through. You know, it wasn't just this inspiring or crazy news story. It was, you know, it was something that people, it was affecting people in different ways. So that inspired me to turn the show into um, a program that I've been touring across the country to help, you know, other people share their story. And, and I think that's been the most rewarding thing, you know, taking it to schools and, and traumatized populations and, and businesses and everywhere in between, because, you know, the act of just telling our story, you know, we, there, it can change us in so many ways, especially for people that they don't have a story, you know, think that they don't have a story worth sharing or think that, you know, they're stuck in a situation that they have no control over. Um, I should probably add to, I forgot to mention that I finally could eat um, after uh, six years without food or an ice cube and 27 surgeries. Um, doctors finally reconstructed, like, a digestive system for me, which wasn't perfect. I mean, the reason it's 27 surgeries is because <laughs> lots of setbacks along the way and lots of wounds opening and disappointments and all that. But um, the TED Talk I gave last year was about being a detourist, which yeah, I let's, call it. Let's, yeah, let's go into yeah. that because that's um, – when I watched your TED Talk, it was very interesting to me. And then I want to go back to Gutless and Grateful on – Yep some of the different things you um, share in your show. So explain the whole detourist thing, you know, to, to me, because I, I think it's, it's an amazing way to look at things. Yeah. Well, first of all, I started calling what I'd been through a detour because it started from a place of need. Like I didn't know how to categorize it. You know, um, I, it, it's not like an official like diagnosis. I didn't identify with like the certain like illnesses I read about and I didn't really know what to make of myself and my path was really uncertain. So, I mean, the only thing I could think of was, okay, this is just not what I expected. Um, but what was so beautiful about that term is, you know, there's no stigma, there's no negative connotation and it's also open-ended and, um, I ended up calling myself a detourist because, you know, only years later when I realized that, you know, every kind of twist in my path has brought me to new people, new experiences, and changed what I thought my life would be so completely that if you ask me now, like, 
what do you think you would have done with your life if this had never happened? Like, I couldn't give you an answer because, you know, our detours, even though they're frustrating at first, they become our past if, if we're open to them and, and we don't push them away. So, like, so I started with the hashtag, love my detour, um, because I wanted to kind of, like, make other people see that, that it's not just that my stomach exploded, it's that I went through uncertainty, I went through anger and fear, like, all the universal emotions you feel on a detour, because, like, I feel like where we all get into trouble is we start to swap war stories, you know, and then we feel like we can't relate to anyone else's obstacle. Like, I, I don't feel like we should find uniqueness in what we've been through, you know, whether it's a divorce or a breakdown or a lost job or an illness. I, I think if we all look at that as one detour, it's not minimizing what we've been through, but it's emphasizing that we heal when we find the commonality. And that's also where we find compassion. And I think we should find our uniqueness in actually what we do with that detour, you know, not what's happened to us. I think that also gets us out of the victim mindset and it makes us want to actively shape our detours into something of our own design. Right. It's funny when you said that, you know, it keeps us from uh, competing and sharing war stories, which, you know, people are always trying to one up you, but I don't think, well, anybody, well, I don't think but, anybody can one up you. I mean, I don't well, think but even, but you know what, even think of like the phrase, like, well, you don't understand or like, you know, it's, it's automatically shutting people out and, and it's making people cling to what has afflicted them. But, but more than that, like, well, I think I realized firsthand that healing does not happen in a vacuum. You can do all like the self work like you can, but healing happens like when I did my show, like when I performed it and other people could resonate. So if we all look at it as detours, like we're all traveling it together, like we need that support. You know, we're not going to get anywhere with this. You know, I, I went through the hardest stuff. Right. <laughs> right. I just, uh, I like that because I don't think, like I said, anybody could, if you're trying to one-up people or you're going through, you wouldn't understand. I, when I was you know, listening to your story, I was just like, I couldn't even imagine going through what you went through. I, I just, I couldn't even fathom, you know, one, having my stomach explode, but two, um, just the, the coma and the aftermath of it changing your life. So, but dramatic. you know what the funny part is though, at this point, like I couldn't either like, and, and doctors would drive me crazy to be honest. Like so many times, you know, I could finally eat and then I kept getting, you know, fistulas, which are big setbacks after surgery. And they would think I was just like a faucet that, that could turn on and off. And they would say, you know, just stop eating and drinking for a month and see if it heals. And every time I had to do that, I would think like, I cannot do this again. And even now, like, I don't know how I did it, but, but that's the point that I'm trying to show um, that we don't really know what we're capable of until we're tested. And actually, I gave another TED Talk this weekend, which is talks about similar things, but a very different concept. Um, this is the concept that I, I talk about in my presentations a lot. Um, I call them like my four hardcore skills to resilience. And what they are are just four basic qualities that 
everyone has that I didn't realize how important they were until they were kind of pushed out of me. And so like I share them because I'm trying to show that like, I think when we all see other people's stories, you know, we're all like, oh my God, I could never do that. But you know, why I'm trying to do this detourist thing is, is also to prepare us because, you know, prepare us in a positive way because we don't know what life offers, unfortunately. But the fortunate part is we also don't know what we're capable of. So I, that, I mean, if there's one message that I'm the most passionate about sharing, it, it's that. It's like a, it's a preventative thing, but, but in, a, in a really encouraging way. Because um, like I said, like, I could have never told you, you know, I wasn't born like a, a martyr or anything like that. You know, these were all kind of asked of me. You know, my, my only, I knew, the one thing I knew when I went through all of this is I don't know what's happening in like a week or a year, but I know that my only job is to get from day to day. Right. You That's know, not, point. not, you know, just, and you know, like things like my dad would help me by saying, you know, it's just take it one day at a time. You know, the doctors said, you know, first it was minute to minute. You know, we didn't know if you'd make it. Then it was day to day. Then it's week to week. Then it's month to month. But um, but if you just take it one day at a time, you know, um, it's you'll you'll eventually get there. And that, and that's what the detourist thing is. It's it's you don't have to see the bigger picture. You just you know you're curious about the path, and you just take one step. And sometimes a detour is also just like staying in place but but you're open to everything around you but it is okay to take breaks like i i definitely want to emphasize that like it's okay to get really frustrated at everything and that's more than normal you know you need those feelings but but my thing is you know find healthy ways to get that out so you're not letting that eat away at you you know like get it out get angry and then you get back on the path well what are some of those healthy ways that you get people to do that yeah, so for me, creativity was, like, the biggest thing. Like, it's, it's easy to kind of get the misconception from what everything I say that I'm a big, um, you know, champion of positive thinking, because I'm not, you know. If, you know I, I swear, if one more person told me to put on a smile, I could smack them. Um, because, you know, I, it's true, because, you know, I became, like, the queen of like dissociation and like all the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder where, you know, to cope with not eating and drinking, I had to be very numb, understandably. So I got very good at pushing my feelings away. So that, so in order to heal, it became even more important to find healthy ways of facing all those emotions that I had repressed. Cause the truth is they weren't going to all be happy emotions. You know, I, you know, after my coma, I also had to process my sexual abuse as well, you know, and the med So there was a lot to deal with. So to say, mm -hmm. like, to wake up and just smile and say, I'm happy, I'm alive, you know, that, that I, you know, I think I would have broken down eventually. Right. So for, for me, creativity was the best way to do it. And it took a lot of time um, because for a long time, you know, I just wanted to stay numb because I realized that, you know, oh, wow, the good part about not eating and stuff and dealing with this was I could just work really hard to get through and I didn't have to focus on all of these, you know, yucky feelings that I haven't dealt with in so long. Mm -hmm. So that's when, you know, once the physical healing was over, 
I really had the hard part. And, you know, discovering art was such a, well, hey, that's the biggest example of a gift on a detour because I never would have discovered visual art ever if I hadn't, if my wound hadn't exploded in California and I had to be air back to Yale Medical Hospital um, because I was stuck there for four months. And, you know, like I say in my TED Talk, my mom just started bringing art supplies to the hospital and it was such a major discovery for me because I remember the first day I just tried to pick up a paintbrush and I drew like this blue tear and it was so simple the act of doing that but I realized like wow like in just physically moving my hand around the canvas and just drawing the shape and and not feeling the pressure to come up with words like I'm feeling that sadness but it's kind of being transformed on the canvas. So for me, that was my personal way. But I tell people, you know, creativity runs such a wide range. You know, it's song, it's music, it's movement, you know, lots of movement. Um, you know, trauma is a sensation that, that is locked in the body. You know, and it's our job to find ways to physically get that out of us. Um, you know, it's it's cooking, it's it's sharing, but it's it's any way you can find to get it out of you. Um, the important part is we need we need to bring out all those negative feelings that that we have on a detour. Otherwise, you know, they eat away at us and and they'll hold us back, and we won't exactly be able to understand why. Right. With your um, with your movement, lots of movement, just remind me of uh, your Facebook Live video that you had. I think it was maybe last week or the week before. Oh, and in Stop and Shop. <laughs> dancing I, the Passover dance, or singing the Passover song and dancing in the aisle. That was awesome. You like my song. You know what? I got to say that's that's a quality I've had before this and I and was my benefit after this, this uh, incessant quality of shamelessness that uh, – I am, you know, I, I think that's why I'm so comfortable. You know, a lot of people like ask like, oh, how are you able to share all this? I mean, I've always been like a very open person, but um, that's really also what helped me just being able to honestly, you know, share what, what I'm going through. But yeah, that includes just like dancing through the aisles of the grocery well, store I think too. All of life should be like a musical. Hey, I always, oh, yeah. I've always wondered, you know, in musicals, people just burst out in song in the middle of you know, a, a treacherous situation. Why can't we do that in real life? Why do people look at us like we're crazy when we I do. Well, Actually, on a side note, if you Google grocery store musical, there's this group that just plans, like, they're like musical flash mobs. Um, so, the, you know, they plan it in advance, and then they just, you know, they rehearse this musical in a grocery store. You know, they film everyone looking at them, like, what is going on? It's like one of my favorite videos. I want to do one of those one day. You should do one of those. And let me know when it is, because I want to be involved. Oh, totally. All right, I'm going to start it. In Wisconsin, <laughs> I don't know how if it would it, like in vaudeville days they would say if someone could play in Peoria it would play anywhere. Um, I think this yeah. that would play here in in Wisconsin. I think everybody <laughs> they definitely. Oh god! If you can also Google food court musical and they they do a fun one there too. Those are the only two I know. If anyone knows any others or wants to start one, hey, send me a note. I'll do it. <laughs> You're you're up for it. I, I'm up for it. <laughs> that was great. That's, uh, I'm sure that you uh, got a few views from 
people in the aisles like what is going on over there? oh no they the truth is i go to stop and shop every day so they all know me at this point and they always look at me like what the heck is she doing does she need any more food <laughs> i gotta say after this my sense of gratitude for food definitely never went away and my favorite evening activity is going grocery shopping it's not my wallet's favorite activity but but it's mine <laughs> It's it's one of my favorites. Well, our sh our store here is the Big Wiggly, and I know everybody there. Oh yeah, <laughs> Big Wiggly. I'm always. Oh yeah, out, out in the west they have Piggly Wiggly. You know that's when we go on. Well, I, I tour my show all all over the country. But like my favorite kind of tourist things to do is like let's check out the local grocery chains. Like in Denver, I'm like Safeway. Then the, we were just in Virginia. I'm like, walla, walla. And people are like, let's see the monuments. I'm like, no, I want to see the whole food. Exactly. <laughs> the H-E-B. Yeah. What is that? Is that something I should know? It's a, the chain down in Texas is the H-E-B. So. Oh, see, now, is anyone in Texas now? I need to book my show in Texas. On a side note, I book my own shows. So it's super simple to get me to come to you. I do, like, I do schools. I do conferences. I do businesses. Um, yeah, and it's a good show. So, so book me so I can, I can visit your supermarket. <laughs> That's a great marketing play right there. Is that good coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, talk about that. Is your traveling show that's gutless and grateful? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's again. I mean, again, that was such a, a huge, awesome detour because I really thought it was going to be a one-time kind of theater thing in New York. And, you know, I never talked about my story before. And all of a sudden, I was, like, doing it for total strangers um, and critics, which was a big move. But it was such a gift when I realized that, you know, my story, you know, could be translatable. So now, that was five years ago. And now I've been touring it across the country um, everywhere. Um, I had no idea it would resonate with the college audiences, but it turns out it does because, you know, college is a major turning point in our lives where, you know, things change on a whim and, you know, kids are coming to school not with like, you know, not even having basic life skills or, or kind of freaking out under, under pressure. And I think they find it really inspiring. I, I do a talk back. Sometimes I lead, you know, detours workshops where we get to use all my favorite modes of navigating detours, which is like all these fun creative exercises. Um, and, and I'll do, you know, I'll do team building for corporate companies. And that's so cool for me because I will see everyone, as soon as I explain like the detour concept, no matter who's in the room, the room will just melt. And people will start just sharing like crazy because, you know, something about the idea of a detour just like breaks down all these barriers and there just becomes so much compassion in the room. So, so anyway, um, now I'm at the point where sometimes I incorporate my show with that. Sometimes I don't, but, but I've been, um, you know, doing this musical for small classrooms, for theaters, for huge conference calls, um, which is, you know, my 70 minute musical comedy about my crazy life. Did you make um, your own songs for it and everything? I wrote two of the songs. Um, one of them is also by um, Kathy Lee Gifford um, and David Friedman when I was on the Today Show. And the rest are just musical theater songs. And 
I'm actually working on a new solo piece um, with all my own original songs. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm also developing a ton of other stuff, which as an artist, you know, I need to do for me. You know, I can't tour this around for the rest of my life. Um, but, but yeah, it's a um, 70 minute show. I'm always starving by the end of it because it's usually the longest time I go all day without eating. <laughs> So how does that, well, cause I'm curious. So after, um, and I'm just going to ask for the, uh, the stomach and digestive, how do they fix that so you do eat? Yeah, so I mean the closest thing I can think of is that they made it kind of like a, like a gastric bypass would be almost. Like they basically took whatever intestine I had left and made like a little pouch. Um, so like... I don't absorb everything, so I have to eat like 8,000 calories a day. Wow. So I'm like always eating. <laughs> I eat 8,000 calories a day, but that's why I'm, I'm a little heavier than I should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, like you, my favorite thing is to go to the grocery store. I grew up a fat kid, so I wake, uh, up, I wake up in the morning thinking about, hmm, what am I going to eat today? That's the first thing. Oh, yeah. It's the best thing. <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking to you. You're just a, 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 a really an interesting person, but oh, interesting well, is the word. <laughs> well, what I mean is that you're oh, totally. You have an interesting story, but yet you know you have the energy that compels me to want to listen more. And I really think that, that oh God, I I don't know where I honestly I don't know where I get all this energy from. I wish I had less because like I can't even stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's probably from the 8,000 calories a day. Probably, I, yeah. <laughs> could be it, but you were probably like that beforehand too. I mean, yeah. The truth is, I was. <laughs> so, a couple of, uh, quick tips for our listeners on you know things that they can help you know easy things for them to implement on getting through their own detours. Yeah, um, like I said, um, creativity was a huge thing. Um, and it does not mean you have to be like an artist, you know, it could really just be, you know, we all need a way to express ourselves that where we don't need words because words can kind of trip us up sometimes. So even if it's just taking a piece of paper and doodling for a bit or putting on a song, but you know, a way that you can give your, you know, yourself the headspace where you don't need to come up with the words. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, um, well, obviously, humor <laughs> that was a big part of my own recovery um and you know i talk about this as one of my four skills that um you know gratitude is a huge thing but you know i discovered that by accident um in the hospital i just started writing lists and i made myself write something for every letter of the alphabet you know something i was grateful for and that was not just to like, oh, think happy. I actually realized that in what I was writing, you know, what I was grateful for were actually my values. And, you know, especially after so many medical setbacks, it reminded me who I was, you know, under all of this. And I think that's the most important thing on a detour, that we have to remember who we are, you know, because that will never change, you know, who we are at our essence. So we need ways to get to that as a reminder, because it's scary when everything else, you know, turns overnight. And again, that's kind of what I get into in my next TEDx talk. Um, and that video will be live in May. So I'm excited for that. 
I'm excited about seeing it. That'll be that'll be great. Me too. <laughs> after today, if people want to find you, where do they go? Go to my website, um, amyoes.com. Um, and also, you'll be able to see my TED Talk there. Um, you can also learn more about my show. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, I come anywhere. So uh, send me a note if you just want to know more about my show or see where I'll be next. Um, also, you know, I have a book coming out at the end of next year. So if you sign up for um, you know, my mailing list, you can get um, updates. And also, I give like free inspirational stuff every week. And then the last thing is that um, I also have a column on my site, a weekly uh, detour column where anyone can write in, including you, about a detour in your life and how it made you who you are. And I have like almost 100 stories at this wow. point. And I, what I love so much is they're all so different. You know, and they could be even good detours. Like maybe you found something, you know, positive and it led you to something you didn't expect. But I love how they're all so different, but they all kind of, you know, come together. And that's what I think the whole detour thing is. Good stuff. Well, I've really appreciated spending some time with you today. Uh, you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to share with us, well, share with me and the people that are listening. Um, I would encourage everybody to go to Amy's website, check it out, look for her book that's coming out in December, I believe, yes, December 2nd. Yep, but sign up, sign up for my list, sign up. It's fun. You get free stuff. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> And if you're interested in the association, uh, go to our website, aath.org. Again, Amy, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Owen, and, and did you, I didn't even mention that I'm, I'll be presenting there. Oh. Um, oh, you didn't know? Yeah, so so I'll be at the annual conference in April. Um, so, yeah, so come and say hi and see my workshop. I, well, I absolutely will. And I would yeah. encourage our listeners to do the same. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I'm like, this is a big redemption for me, too, because um, I was known, like, when I woke up from a coma, like, I was pretty bratty at first, so I developed, like, a very antagonistic relationship with, like, the clouds that came in, because I was 18, so they would come in, like, go away! So I can finally have, like, redemption and apologize, because I was probably very bratty out of my coma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, and I will see you in April. See you then. Thanks. This is LaughBox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.